Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. The first brand in your life you remember having an impact on you? Kodak. Because my dad was a paparazzi. My father... Like professionally? No. No, okay. He thought he was. Okay. But taking photos all the time. And so I just remember the paper, the packaging. Mm. Uh, and uh, and then candy as a kid, you know, just standing in front of that stand at the end, you know, right before you go to the register and the grocery line and just staring at the all the different boxes yeah. and knowing I only could get one thing for my mother and just the overwhelming decisions to be made in front of me with these rows of candies and brands. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. Today, my guest on the CMO podcast is Stephanie Buscemi, the EVP and CMO, chief marketing officer of Salesforce. Salesforce is one of the most remarkable companies on our planet today. It's got a market capitalization of north of $135 billion. It's growing revenue above 20%, 35,000 employees. They're in the enterprise software business, but their real business is getting customers and companies to work well together. And in this podcast, Stephanie talks about what the role of the CMO should be, what new skills we need to be building, what her role is, what her priorities are as CMO of this remarkable company, and how she works with two of the most amazing CEOs in the world, Mark Benioff and Keith Block. This is my conversation with Stephanie Buscemi. Stephanie, thank you for joining us for the CMO podcast. You are working on one of the most amazing, vibrant brands in the world, which we're going to get into in a minute. But before we do that, you are a UCLA Bruin. Go Bruins. Absolutely. Go Bruins. So through and through. Tell me about that. What did you study there? So I focused, my major was in communications. And I really believed at the time that I would be our next Jane Polly or Katie Couric. I was well, heading still in. still can be. Heading in for we'll broadcast. We'll see how you do today. Yeah, exactly. You let me know. Uh, but was focused on broadcast journalism, worked for CBS, NBC, worked in radio and television. And Originally from the Bay Area, and when I was growing up, it was 
really driven by Stanford and the university. It wasn't Silicon Valley at that point. And realized I wanted to be back home in the Bay Area. And I was like, if you're in the Bay Area, I've been raised in tech. You got to have a piece of the action. So I, I knew pretty early on that I would was going to go back to Silicon Valley and wanted to be part of the rise of technology. Mm-hmm. So what did you love best about your UCLA experience? Oh. By the way, I'm t- full disclosure, my wife's a Bruin. Ah, nice. And my daughter is a double Bruin. There you go. So we're d- And I taught there for four years after P&G. I taught at Anderson for four years. That's fantastic. It's, um, there's, there's so much I like about the university. Uh, one is just the diversity of people there. Uh, UCLA was diverse before everyone was talking even about diversity. It's always just been in the core value of the institution. Um, the energy that it gets from within the university and then globally and the outreach of it. So I always found over my time at the university, there's always something. There's some new area to explore. And I've seen that now even with my grown stepkids at universities. You know, by their junior or senior year, they're like, oh, you know, I'm ready to get out of the university. And I thought, UCLA, I mean, I could reach out into the Los Angeles community. I was doing volunteer work out in the community. I was doing jobs out in the community. So there was just so much between UCLA and the surrounding area that I felt like I was constantly learning and getting to connect with new people. Yeah, beautifully said. I agree. That's it's special. It's special. So we had Scott Galloway on the podcast, uh, you know, yeah. several months ago, actually. He's one of my early guests. He's a Bruin as well. And he spoke so very similarly about the university and how yeah. important it was for him to get started. I, I learned so many of my best lessons right there, right on the ground at UCLA, and I, I wouldn't change it for anything. Okay. Well, let's keep going and getting to know you better. So yeah. I'm going to do a little bit of a rapid fire Go. so we can get to know Stephanie a bit more. So a brand today that you would really miss if it went away? A uh, brand that I would really miss today. Well, this is going to be controversial because everyone has their their coffee they love. But I am a tried and true Starbucks gal and not a lot of some people are, some people aren't. And I am. And so I have my app. It's part of my life. I wake up before I leave my driveway. Every day? Yeah, every day. Twice a day? Uh, yes, it, depending how the day is Sometimes going. three times so, a day. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Exactly. It's really depending, you know, how the day is going. But it's in my program. I use the app. I find it so easy. I like what they have to offer. How many uh, countries have you had a Starbucks in? Oh, 20, 30? Not 20 or 30, but... A lot. More than a dozen, for yeah. sure. Yeah. My daughter collects mugs from Starbucks in different countries. So that's she, a cool yeah, idea. That's a good idea. Have you been to the one in Milan? The one in Milan. It's their first one. They opened in Italy because they put it off forever because they, I don't they only so. wanted to go into no, Italy. I would, I would remember that. Yeah. It is remarkable. It's almost worth the trip to Milan. Okay. There's a it's lot of old, great reasons to go to yeah, Milan. Yeah, we'll go. Well, now, now, here's another one. <laughs> but it's in the old post office and it will blow your mind. It's okay. not, it's, yeah, they just reconceived the whole brand. Okay. While paying, you know, kind of homage to his heritage. I'm it check is it out. just look at it online, just the pictures. It is just incredible. I went in there and, you know, we spent a couple of hours actually. The food was amazing. They had a really swanky cocktail bar, all kind of coffee derivatives. Yeah. I mean, it's really fabulous. Yeah. They've been good to me yeah. as a brand. And it's in we'll my, like I said, it's in my, it's in my routine and it's working for me. So how would your team at Salesforce describe you? Um, well, I'll, I'll take 
what I get from my um, employee uh, survey results and reports, I take the steel threads out. I actually read all the comments, and it's a large organization. Um, I think it's someone who's empathetic, um, somebody who cares deeply about the team, somebody who rewards teamwork, somebody who rewards innovation. And um, I've always been somebody who I would never, I don't, I wouldn't ask somebody to do something I wouldn't do myself. And I think people feel that from me in the organization that I care deeply. And I think each one of us has something unique that we bring to the table. And it's the sum of the parts that make us great. And uh, so I think that would be something that's come up as a steel thread throughout mm -hmm. any any written feedback, detailed feedback that I've gotten over my five years at Salesforce and even sure. pre-Salesforce and other roles. So your husband seems to have an interesting career in marketing. Do you ever talk about it with him, marketing? Oh, yeah. At home a lot? Yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's, um, Is there any recurring it, theme? I, it's, we can, I call it, we can, it's fast food because uh, I used to tell him, or I still have to tell him sometimes, I, if he goes to a holiday party, I just need you to like put a better play down because I can go home and I can explain exactly what I'm dealing with. And he's gets it. He knows it. Or he's probably already done it before. He's 10 years my senior and done a lot of this work. And so it's great. It's great that I have that to bounce off of. And he gets it really fast. And I, it's a horrible joke, but I always say if I go missing or something, there's your interim CMO because right. <laughs> he, he knows all the, he, he knows where my We hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. I, I, yes. I said clear. it's a bad joke. Yeah. But. So you're, you've been in enterprise software for somewhere around 25 years. Got it. It's been called different things. What's the biggest change you've seen from when you started at Hyperion, I think? It was pre-Hyperion, but we'll pre leave it okay. at that for, okay. age, for age purposes. Um, oh, there, I mean, a couple things. I, I, it's so interesting. The promise of everything has been to make us all more efficient and more mm -hmm. effective. And yet we continue to squeeze more and more and more into our day with these efficiencies we're just packing in more so that the pace of change and the the speed and agility that we need to have to be successful in tech is not for the faint of heart it's it's intense it's really really intense and you have to love it uh and i i don't know if it was that i was earlier in my career and maybe i didn't have as bird's eye view into it and see it but i certainly feel it now more than ever and i hear it in our customers, I hear it in prospects. I hear it, you know, I was at a CMO dinner last evening and, and I hear it just uh, the pace of change and staying on the cutting edge and making sure that you're driving innovation throughout this. Um, it's the biggest thing for sure. Mm -hmm. And that's always been the case and just keeps yeah. accelerating. Yeah. Right when I think like yeah. the bar can't go higher, it, goes. it can. Yeah. So your career started at, I'm going to just, for simplicity, Hyperion, which I Oracle purchased, then yes. SAP, yep. then IHS Market, yep. and then Salesforce. And Salesforce now for the last five years That's ish, right. And CMO for about a year and a half. You got it. Okay, super. So I want you to tell me one or two defining moments in that really interesting career so far where you've been, you know, it's sort of, that's been a leading edge category for all of those 25 years, yeah. right? Very dynamic. Um, What's been one or two 
things that sort of were remarkable in terms of how your career changed or shifted or pivoted? Sure. Were you as a person or a leader changed or shifted or pivoted? Yeah, I think um, one key moment for for certain was 2007. I joked to a few people that I should just been writing a book called In the Clean Room because I was a integration lead in the Oracle Hyperion acquisition, and I was an integration lead on the SAP and business objects. And it was so, one, just in terms of learning to watch how the company in red and the company in blue both went through very large acquisitions. And in both cases, I felt I had a tremendous opportunity to lead and help people navigate through change. And the most amazing, um, the technology rationalization that had to happen, the impacts to teams and the changing of them were remarkable. And it was, I could have just played my part and I made a very deliberate decision in both um, to be very active and, and lead in them and make some brave decisions. I ultimately made a decision to leave Oracle. Um, shortly thereafter. And that was a personal decision. And, you know, everyone was sort of like, you're very involved in the integration. Why would you do that? Uh, but both of them, 2007 was like, I lived, you know, 10 years in one year. <laughs> and what was the catalyst to leave? Um, I think the catalyst to leave for me was understanding what the role of marketing is in an organization. I mean, you've probably seen it there's companies that are sales driven, there's companies CEO driven, there's product driven, there's marketing driven. Um, what I love dearly about Salesforce is that marketing is at the epicenter of the company. And as a, a first class citizen, our co-CEOs see marketing as strategic. And, um, you know, I just I, at that point in time, I didn't feel mm -hmm. like that was going to be the case for me there, or not even me, just the, the way the function was being utilized at that time, which I'm, it could be very different now. But. Yeah. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMO succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. So you're a year and a half in a CMO of this remarkable company. I'd like you to help us with what is your work? So you know that we still find a lot of variation in what CMOs do. Right. So I'd like you to comment a bit about where do you spend your time, which is the most important right. statement about What's important? So where do you spend your time? And then I'd like your observation about, you're an interesting role. You are a CMO and you work with a lot of CMOs. Mm -hmm. I'd like you to talk about where you spend your time and where you would like CMOs out there, your clients, to be spending more time. Right. So in terms of my, my time, um, I think it's evolved quite a bit at Salesforce, even over my five years. When I joined five years ago, I think disproportionately, uh, it we had to we were focusing on maybe more traditional means of pipe generation, 
brand awareness. And I think, not I think, I know we saw that we really needed to rethink uh, that. And we looked and said, you know, what's really the essence of the company? What's the ethos? What drives us in all that we do? And it got back to the values of the company. And a lot of people are talking right now about values-based marketing. And while I think it's a great conversation, I do think some of the commentary right now is just words and not action. Uh, And what Salesforce has allowed me to do in my day-to-day is actually focus on it, working across the whole company in terms of what are the actions that we are taking. If you look 20 years back at Salesforce, when Mark and the co-founder Parker started it, it really wasn't about Salesforce automation. It was about getting trust people to trust putting their data in the cloud. They were the pioneer in cloud computing. And that really hasn't changed for Salesforce. First and foremost, it's about building trusted relationships. It might have started in sales. Now it's service, it's marketing, it's across every customer touchpoint. And so I get to spend a lot of my time now working across the organization on the core values of the company, and then how do they get expressed and manifested in all of our marketing and everything that we do. So a very uh, tactical example of that is our trailblazers. Our trailblazers, they're innovators, they're movers and shakers in their businesses. They're our customers today. I look to co-create content with them now. I don't believe that over the next, you name the time frame, three to five years, Having content come all from the brand is not going to work in this environment. To create, to build trust with your customers, you're going to need to co-create with them more and more and more. So it's things like that that I get to do. I get to start with our values. I get to work with the entire organization to see how we're leveraging and how we are really working within our values every day. And I get to inject and work with customers on that. Did you feel you were ready for this job? You've been in about a year and a half. So you're, you know, the first several months you were onboarding, I suspect. Well, you, you were already in the company. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, but were you ready for it? Onboarding is just a little bit of, uh, probably was probably a, a luxury. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came into the role shortly before Dreamforce last year. So uh, it was a very, so a very busy priority. time. Yeah. I felt very ready for the role. I felt very ready for the role because... I had been at the company three and a half years prior. I had been a CMO of a publicly traded company before of, of size and scale. Uh, I had built trusted relationships with uh, all of our execs, with our sales leaders, with our product leaders, that I felt I, I had a deep knowledge of where our opportunities for growth were, what was working, and I had their confidence that I could could hit the ground running. and. All of them have been incredibly supportive. So it's, you know, I think these companies of our size, it's hard to come in cold. It's a right. steep learning curve. And to already have those trusted relationships and a deep understanding of where our challenges were and opportunities gave me such a, a leg up. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you measure success in your role? Ultimately, customer success. Mm-hmm. In fact, that if you ask me where the role of marketing is going or should be going, I would say I think a lot of it was around awareness, impressions, and leads for decades. And we are really focused much more broadly now on engagement. 
And what does engagement look like with our customers or even before a customer, a prospect? What does engagement look like? And it doesn't mean it's a lead. Mm-hmm. It's how are they engaging with us? All the way to our customers in terms of we're software as a service. If they're not successful, we're not successful. So how are they using the products? What kind of, what is um, the return on investment? What is the value they're getting on that? What is their customer satisfaction? Uh, that needs to be in the metric set of all marketers moving forward. And I, I think my perception is that either companies have over-rotated on leads yeah. or they've, and or they've over-rotated on impressions, which is eyeballs. And we all have to get to engagement and engagement can be captured all the way through the customer life cycle. Yeah. So what, you know, to helicopter now back up to the industry and you're already going there, how would you like to see the CMO role evolve? You know, you see it from so many different lenses. What capabilities do you think need to be built? Where should they be spending time? And so I know it's a broad question because CMOs, you know, an automotive versus CPG versus software are different jobs. I get it, but there are some threads. Well, I think given the nature of we sit close to customers and prospects, we have an opportunity to provide a level of objectivity. So we are we don't build it, the product or the service, and we don't sell it. And so I actually think, you know, Earlier in my career, someone said, if you don't make it or sell it, you're fat. And I'm like, well, flip that. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's an opportunity to have some level of objectivity and, and be on the front line and advocate for the customer. And so I do think across the C-suite that the CMO is uniquely positioned to be elevated and take a larger role on helping companies to orchestrate their customer experience. I think we're in the very, very early stages of that. I think there are a lot of people that I meet that either have come, I'm a brand, you know, they identify I'm a brand person, I'm a creative, or um, I'm an events person, or I'm a product marketing person. And I think we're all going to have to throw that out and get to I'm, I'm a customer person. Mm-hmm. I'm a customer experience person. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the other thing I think, I mean, my CEO at P&G said to me, when I stepped into the role years ago, he said, there are very few people in this company thinking about the future. We have a lot of people thinking about this month, this quarter, and even this fiscal year, maybe next fiscal year, but really about positioning the company for growth and competitive advantage, right. longer term, you have to be one of them, he said. It's very empowering. It, it's very empowering, and I definitely feel that level of empowerment within Salesforce, I've, I have worked in a sales-driven organization where you feel like you're living, living 30, 60, 90 days. And to your point, it'll work in 30, 60, 90 days, but you got to balance your time looking over the horizon to go, how, how is you know data integration and privacy and identity and AI and analytics, how's this all going to, what's our hypothesis on right. how this is all going to play yeah. out and, and where do we want to be? in that journey. Yeah. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website, and then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. 
Webflow's visual-first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. You have a campaign that's new that you talked about in Demexco, which is a, a big meeting that just happened in Germany a few weeks ago. And this is really interesting, right? Salesforce, yes. right? Hot company, big market cap, growing more than 20%. Kantar says it's one of the top five trending brands in the world. Okay. So, and your campaigns to tell people what you do. So why and why now? So we have a... And we're talking about a big campaign, right? You have investment behind this that is right. probably so the strongest you've had. Uh, in my five years here, yes, it is uh, the largest brand awareness campaign that we've put out in market. Uh, it's global. So it's running in multiple countries across our top 25 cities around the globe. Um, and the reason we did that is we have a brand study that we've had in place all five years that I have been here, and a, a, a consistent methodology around that to really understand our aided and unaided brand awareness. And what became really clear to us is that while there is name recognition for Salesforce, there is not enough clarity about what we do. So the sentiment is positive. People know the name. Uh, we put a huge focus on business as a platform for change and tech for good. So we're very philanthropic uh, and those things come out. But a deeper understanding of what we do, we're a bit short on there. And so the focus is to really get simplified to make sure that whether it's my mom, my grandmother, your friend, um, that we can net it out really quickly. And bringing companies and customers together is is a quick, fast, simple sure. way to to net it out for people. Is there an do you have an inspiration for this? Is there a brand that has had a similar challenge that you've looked at to see what did they learn? How do they go about it? Oh, we looked at a lot of different brands out there from uh, from different angles. I don't have one specific yeah. one that comes to mind right now, but we definitely looked at a lot of different angles on it, and we said, Salesforce as a name. Uh, people go, oh, it's sales. And it's so much more over 20 years. Yes, we started with building salespeople, building trusted customer right. relationships. But now it's across every single yeah. customer touch point. And we need to go back and communicate that and leverage our trailblazers to communicate in their voice how we're enabling them to connect with their customers. Yeah. It's probably, it's a funny name. You have a lot of equity in the name now, of course, so you don't ever change it, but it probably would be named a different company today. Probably. Potentially. I mean, you're not going to yeah. go there, of course. Yeah. So, be, so uh, I want you to talk about, I heard you say somewhere that brand purpose is imperative. Yes. So I want you to talk about that a bit. We talk a lot about purpose on this podcast and it's now getting mainstream, but I want to hear you talk about for your company and for the industry at large, what does that mean? Yeah, I... We do a study every year. We do uh, research reports to really understand how people are making decisions on the brands they engage with, purchase from. And the reality is 
52% of consumers out there in our consumer report said, look, I'm going to, I'm going to engage with brands that I believe do good in the world and have purpose. And we've always believed that. I mean, one of our core values is equality. It's not just trust uh, and giving back in the world. We have our 111 mm -hmm. philanthropy bottle. And so I believe when it gets back to purpose, it's not people are looking beyond your product and services. What are you really all about? How do you operate? How do you make, de make decisions from the biggest to the smallest decisions? What can I expect from you? And if you as a company can articulate your purpose beyond your product and services and the values that guide you are your compass, and then through action, not just washing the words all over your marketing assets, but through programs, uh, you, you build a whole new type of relationship with your, with your customers. You deepen that customer relationship. Um, they want to work with brands that they can trust. They want to work with brands that are doing good and giving back. The belief is that companies, business has a responsibility to give back and make better in the communities and societies that it serves. What's holding us back from making this even more widespread? I mean, your company is very authentic on this and started with your founders and so on, but is it, what's the challenge? Is it measurement? Is it leadership behavior? Is it KPIs? Is it culture? What do you think is the biggest? Unfortunately, I think it's all of the above. Mm -hmm. uh, in particular, I was struck uh, at Davos this year. There was so much conversation around it. And it went from a position of should businesses be a platform for change to businesses are a platform for change. So I watched year over year that the conversation had definitely moved, that everyone got it. But in terms of how companies were approaching it, I still think we have a long way to go. I, I think it is a tops down, bottoms up company mindset shift. It is not small. And so I did meet people who they treated it like a task. Uh, set up an operation. There's a business, then there's the purpose, right? Yeah. 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 And I I, yeah. I think you actually have to put it in the hands of every single employee and ask every single part of your organization how they're going to internalize that. And that's the stress test of your values. I've also observed people say, these are the values of our company. And then when they try to implement these things, they realize, wow, that when the rubber meets the road, that's not how we operate. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's really needs to touch every employee in a company and you have to figure out in marketing, we don't say we have a, the first Fortune 500 chief equality officer, Tony Profit. We don't say it's Tony's job to, to talk about equality in marketing. We as a marketing organization go, what's our responsibility in the role of valuing equality? in our marketing and everything that we do from our narratives to our visuals to creatives, everything. And I think you have to have that. And it's a pretty big mind shift set. And I think you have to have a CEO commitment to that. I want one more question, then yeah. we're going to have to wrap it up quickly. Uh, you work for a really 
interesting CEO, right? Yes. And CEOs. CEOs, plural. I know, I know. <laughs> but and the CMO CEO relationship is really important. Yeah. So I know you work for very public and very charismatic leaders. Yeah. What have you learned about the relationship? I mean, what do you talk about when you meet with your CEOs? What's do you do it frequently? Is it scheduled? Is it haphazard? Mm -hmm. Tell us what we others could learn about your relationship with your CEOs. I'm really thankful because our CEOs are so engaged with the marketing function. Uh, I, you know, I'm maybe an hour from a text ago, texting back and forth. Uh, there's regular, there's all the regular reviews and meetings and topics and discussions. But I think it's just that fast food interaction that we're, we're connecting, whether that's a text or an email. We're constantly observing what's happening around us outside in the world and asking ourselves, what, what would the impact of that be on our customers? How might our customers be thinking about that? And then we're pretty nimble at taking action against that and moving really quickly. Like I said earlier, marketing is a first-class citizen at Salesforce, and it's a privilege. Uh, I feel like I can go in and have a dialogue from a creative exploration to an operational review of the metrics, and both are met with equal interest, equal engagement, and positivity. You have a wonderful job. Because that's you. not the case at all companies, as you know. I'm, I'm well aware. So and that's we can why both I said help I feel privileged and, and I'm very thankful. Yeah. So one last question. Yes. Who else would you like to hear slash see on the CMO podcast? I would like to see Gail, who is the CMO of iHeartRadio. I was listening to her speak re recently and I was really, she had some really great, strong opinions and, uh, I like her mix that she spent 16 years at Microsoft in leadership roles. And now she's been, I think, maybe last five years at iHeartRadio and the contrast of tech. And so what should I uh, unpack with her when I get her on the podcast? Um, I would, I would un unpack with her a couple things. One, how, how will, what is the role of marketing in building trust with consumers? What's our responsibility on that? Um, I'm trying to tell you without tipping. <laughs> that's I, good. I don't want to steal her thunder. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So thank you for this. You've been very generous and it's full of wonderful insights and lessons and personality. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. That was my conversation with Stephanie Buscemi. I loved how Stephanie spoke about how her career began at UCLA when she studied communication and how she learned there about curiosity and then I also loved how she spoke about how the enterprise software industry has shifted and how she spends her time getting out with customers to be inspired and informed so she can take those lessons into the larger company of Salesforce so they can remain customer-centric and keep their remarkable growth going. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribe so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.